Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Hello and welcome to the Business Chef Podcast with me, Chef Sean Boucher. Welcome, 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 and thank you for joining us on another installment. You ever wonder how the food that you get on airplanes makes it up to you, all those feet up in the air? Well, it's not magic. And there are a lot of very talented people behind the scenes who make that happen. And we just happen to have one of them with us today. Chef Damon Kessler is here to talk about his experience and give us a little insight into airline food service. I've been in the airline business now for roughly around 15 years. Um, prior to that, I, I am a grad of uh, Johnson & Wales University in North Miami. And... Um, just been in the restaurant world my whole life. You know, growing up was in pizzerias and diners and you, you know, you name it, just always around. My grandmother was Greek and Italian, so there was a lot of cooking um, going on in the house. My mother's a phenomenal baker, so a lot of baking going on. So just always around food. Um, and then uh, I just gravitated towards the restaurant scene. Loved it, loved the, loved the passion, loved the excitement, loved the, the, the short fuses, just the, you know, the, the uh you know how do you say it's just you know the adrenaline rush you know when you're on a line cooking so uh i got into i was working in restaurants and such and then i just you know approached my mother and i was like wow this i want to i want to go to culinary school i want to this is what i want to do you know i've made up my mind this is this is my career path so um you know we worked out the numbers and, and went through the whole ordeal and got me into johnson and wales and uh i was working actually two jobs at the time so i was you know in the mornings i was going to school and then I was working at a uh, at a bistro right down the block from my house, and then I was working at Rainforest Cafe just to help with tuition, help with anything possible, books and all that stuff, right? And just also to get the experience. Last thing I wanted to do was go into school, culinary school, um, you know, kind of blind. And I always tell people, you know, when you go to culinary school, you really, you really don't want to go in there, you know, uh, not knowing the industry, right? Because you know, culinary school teaches you techniques, the methods, the history. Um, you can't really teach you the passion and the art, right? You know, you can look at certain things, but that all comes within, right? So um, I was actually able to do my uh, my externship at the time. My my girlfriend, um, she went to school with Mark Forgione, which I'm sure you know, Larry Forgione, uh, one of the famous American icon chefs. And uh, I was able to do my apprenticeship at his restaurant, uh, American Place. So um, through Johnson & Wales, I graduated. I came, I did uh, three months uh, externship at American Place and uh, came back to Miami, graduated, did, you know, finished up some of the other credits that I needed to do. And then after that, I continued working in Miami and just realized, you know, there really wasn't the culinary drive that I wanted in Miami. So um, I got out and I moved to New York, came back up to the city, continued working for American Place. And um, and then after that, I just bounced around. I, I, I went uh, and bounced around Tribeca a little bit. Um, you know, coming out of culinary school, you're a sponge, right? You know, you want to learn and absorb everything. You want to see these famous chefs and how they do things. And um, just I remember going on the train and looking at newspapers and just looking at, you know, today's specials and, you know, just coming up with new things, right? That was just, just, just a sponge for knowledge and just, you know, wanted to 
exude everything, right? So, um, yeah, I did that. And then um, did a stage at, uh, with Jean-Georges at, at Vaughn for a, a while. And, you know, again, just learning everything and seeing different style of cuisines. And um, then I went back to Long Island, worked in an Italian restaurant <clears throat> out here. Um, and I would say I probably worked there for about a year and uh, climbed up, you know, was sous chef. And a buddy of mine approached me and said, hey, Damien, listen, I, I got this thing with uh, airline catering. So I laughed. I was like, listen, Tommy, I said, no offense. I said, but I, I've, I've, I've worked for, you know, these chefs, these chefs, and these chefs. And I said, I just don't, I didn't know anything about airline food, right? You know, you, you think about sandwiches and rolls and things like that. Because when I grew up, that's all we did. We, we just, you know, if I did fly, I flew domestic. So I, I didn't know anything about international food. So I went to um, a company out in Queens. It was called Doan Co. International. Now, that was my, my first introduction to an international kitchen. And I got to tell you, Chef, when I walked in to this place now, you know, coming from New York City and working from these chefs, I don't need to tell you, but we made everything from scratch, right? You know, everything was homemade. Everything was from scratch. You know, all your stocks and your sauces, your pâtés, your, you know, we were getting in sweetbreads. We were soaking and cleaning the sweetbreads. I mean, fabricating the meats and, you know, just, just everything. So I was used to doing everything from scratch. I walked into this kitchen and these, this station over here is making foie gras torchons. These ones over here are doing lobster thermidors. This guy over here is on a stocks and sauces. And I'm going, this is an airline food. Like this is, this is not, you know, so the, my, my eyes opened up and I just turned around and looked at my, my buddy and I was like, you know, Tommy, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take you on for this. I said, give me my two weeks. And I went back to the restaurant. And um, at that point I, you know, resigned. And then I, I came into this airline catering world. A lot of people don't realize this, but you know, like, like food on an airplane, we try to get it, and I'll get, I'll get to more of that after my story, but, you know, like, we, we, we really try to duplicate what is done in a restaurant, right? Obviously, we have limitations. So, going back to, to my story is, um, you know, I got in, worked my way up, right? So, I, I literally was hired as a sous chef, and within a year, I was executive chef. I was running the kitchen, doing my own design work, doing my own menu presentations for customers, and going and traveling and doing Formula One races, with this company, Donco, because they, they actually manage all of the Formula One race uh, catering events around the world. So getting exposure to that and doing the McLaren booth, the Ferrari boots, and just this, this, this food, this, this five-star food that we were doing, I was, I was loving it. Um, and then obviously, you know, just my career path, you know, moved on and I left, you know, that place and I went to another in-flight catering um, called Flying Food Group. And there I was executive chef running a, a kitchen that was producing over 50,000 meals per day, um, had 96 employees. Uh, and uh, in my, kitchens, my kitchen brigade, I had 42 cooks and two sous chefs. So rather, rather large, just, just completely you know, blowing my mind from an operational perspective. And um, you know, I, I worked there in the kitchen for four years, and then I became the corporate executive chef uh, for all of culinary, for all of North America. So um, designing menus, um, you know, looking after the, uh, the kitchens uh, in the network from a culinary and an operational perspective, training cooks, going through and just, you know, working the ways up with the chefs and kind of just, you know, building all things, doing workshops uh, with other celebrity chefs because a lot of airlines, they have, um, you know, contracts with celebrity chefs. So I got to do some work with Joel Robichon, uh, Chef Alfred Portali. You know, we just got to just to get in there and, and, and work with these celebrity chefs and these masters. And, um, you know, again, just, just building off my platform, right? Just, just 
another another tick in the box and just learning from these 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 masters and putting it into my repertoire um and then after that uh um now my present company that i work for is called uh, gate gourmet and uh you know been here for uh six years now and i'm actually the area chef so there's a lot there that you've uh you've been able to see and go through and and things of that nature so for those of for those out there who are listening who don't know a lot about airline catering or airline food um you know talk a little bit about that process what makes it different um what makes it the same you know how is it more like just being an an off-premise caterer or is it more like you know kind of give us an idea of some of the nuances that are really unique to the industry and what you do yeah sure so yeah it's it's it, it is different it's it's in so many aspects right there's so many moving parts right so um you know we try to the food on an airplane um you know obviously you have certain airlines that you know that want the you know the most uh, recent quiz uh, you know the most concept the most recent concept excuse me uh somewhat you know just local um you know regular food nothing too crazy but just again going back to simplicity um the trend in the airline world because again the people that are flying are you know business people they're on leisure there there's so many different people that are flying so you have so many expectations versus the restaurant so um in in, in our world really you know the food when you come up with something you obviously the airlines have a concept what you want to do is you want to just you know get to that concept find out what it is that they're looking for what they desire and what their passengers are, are eating and what they're used to and then from there, you really design. There's, there's a lot of things that work, uh, uh, chef, and there's a lot of things that don't work on the plane. Um, you know, obviously, the first thing that we have to figure out is, you know, what will maintain and what will stay on the plane. As you all know, moisture is, is you know, doesn't exist up in a plane. It's very, very dry. So our meals and our food and our, and our ideas have to make sure that the food is going to stay moist. Um, you want to introduce a good amount of acid in it to balance everything out. The sodium content, you know, because when you go up, to 30,000 feet, you know, your comp- everything drops, right? So sodium, so, so these are the little nuances in terms of, of building and designing the meals to be successful on a plane, right? Um, I'll, I'll walk you quickly through our process, right? So in the restaurant world, in the hotel world, in, in any kind of, you know, food industry, it's very simple, right? You know, you get your, your raw goods. We do the same thing. We have our raw goods, which we have to obviously, you know, double check and check for, you know, uh, HACCP, uh, and just to give you a, a broad idea of what our company does, we produce over 180,000 meals a week, right? Um, so there's, there's, a, there's a lot of meals going into it, whether they're international or domestic. Um, you know, we have 38 units in North America alone. Um, and, you know, with, and, and like I said, it is 180,000 meals. So we have to probe the food. Then what we do is the food goes into the specific area, whether it's the cold food area, the hot food area. And then from there, you know, it go, sorry, it goes to the storeroom, sanitized into these production areas. And then it'll get either mise en place or it goes into the cooks where they start to prepare and to cook the food. Now, the, the thing that's different about restaurant versus us is we have to actually cook the food to a specific temperature, right? You know, based on the, uh, the guidelines. And then it has to go into what's called a blast filler. And that's where the food actually is rapidly chilled down from its cook state. So if you're making, you know, a beef bourguignon and you pull it out, it goes into a two-inch hotel pan. It has to go into a blast filler. And that blast filler is anywhere from, you know, 30 degrees to 20 degrees. But it is a rapid cooling uh, refrigerator that will bring that food down immediately 
our goal is to bring everything down in, in two hours to the correct temperature, right? And you don't want the product to freeze, but it must be in below the, uh, uh, the 40 degree mark, right? Then after that, it goes into a holding cooler and then it goes into the packing area, right? And then the packing area is where this is what the pastor sees. So whether it's first class, business class, premium economy or economy, it determines what vessel it goes into, right? So a lot of times you'll see in the premium cabins, the first class crew will be plating, you know, the entrees up in the, in the galleys. So for those meals, those meals get portioned, packed into a foil pan, covered with foil. They get, you know, identified with, you know, the day dots that it was produced and then also the name of the uh, dish. Um, for your other, other uh, cabins, you know, in the business class, sometimes they may go into casserole. So they go into this vessel and then at that point, uh, what we do is a lot of the airlines will request us to give them a heating guide, chef chats. You know, there's so many different names. And uh, we just kind of guide them on the proper way of heating up the food, right? You know, a lot of the misconception is that when the food goes onto the plane, that they just throw it in the oven and, and it just goes. No, it's not true. A lot of the airlines have really sophisticated ovens. A lot of them have convection, convention ovens. <clears throat> but believe it or not, these airline ovens are, are they, they now start to introduce steam. So again, remember I was talking about moisture. You know, we're trying to add moisture into these meals, um, you know, to ensure that, you know, when the patches are eating them, you know, it's not dry. It's pleasant. It's as close to being on the ground as possible. Like you 30,000 feet up in the air. All of our ingredients are fresh. You know, we still, when we're doing design, we have a, a, a we're doing a menu for, for a specific airline. We go through and we will, we will identify and sort out, you know, local and regional, you know, proteins. You know, you know, the idea is, is a lot of the airlines want to focus on Providence. They want to know where the steak is coming from. They want to know what farm the chicken is coming from. They want to know where the dairy is. You know, so there really is no difference per se in the ingredients that we're using. We're use, we have, we have, you know, I have a conversation with my produce guy on a two week basis just to go through and just to ensure and see what, what markets I can go. Cause I have 13, 13 kitchens in the network, right. You know, that I, that I look after from a culinary perspective, from a training perspective, from, you know, and then we have the design chefs. So you're always in a loop on trying to find out what's going on and what, what's new. You know, we work with some farmers on select items that we can actually use, you know, from a hydroponic perspective is all, all year round. So the ingredients, don't change. You know, all of our, all of our vegetables, our starches, our, our dry goods, our oils, our, we use top quality, you know, ingredients. And, and like you said, you know, the idea of the food being cooked and then blast sealed, believe it or not, you know, think about it. You know, sometimes when you make specific foods, you know, they're better the next day when they have actually time to master it, when the flavors have time to marry with each other, right? You know, when you braise a short rib, you know, yeah, the short rib comes out phenomenal day one. You know, it's tender, it melts in your mouth. But day two, right, you know, it is the, the, the flavor has time to sit and just, you know, just mature with each other, right? And everything marries nice. You know, the wine, the wine goes into the meat, it tenderizes the meat. It, you know, the sauce just becomes a bit more, more, more um, you know, succulent, right? You know, everything has time to marry. So it's not, not a, a, a bad thing, right? You know, and believe it or not, a lot of our meats, our fishes, our protein items, you know, we like to marinate them, right? So it could be a simple dry marinade. It could be wet marinade. But, you know, again, we're just trying to introduce some moisture and some acid and, and certain things into these proteins to keep them from drying. Obviously, we have to be selective with the proteins that we use because, as I mentioned, you know, if you're going to do like a, uh, you know, like a, a strip loin, you know, on a plane, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't work out so well because by the time we have to cook it to our specific temperature, it gets blast shield and then you warm it up on a plane. 
most likely, you know, depending on what happens, it may not, it may come out dry, right? And again, like I, I said earlier, we want to try to we want to try to get as close to a, a, a restaurant or close to you know a, a homemade meal as possible. You know, and that's the other beauty is that we have phenomenal employees. We have a phenomenal training regiment that we put you know our staff through, you know, to ensure that every single day the product comes out consistent and comes out exactly to what the customer's expectations are. You know, we have, we have processes in place, we have specifications. So when we create a meal, we go through and we take photographs of that meal. We do step-by-step plating instructions. When we're going through and we're building and we're creating a recipe, we have, you know, specific instructions on how to sear the beef off, how to caramelize the onions, how to, how to reduce the red wine, how to, you know, add in the demi-glace, how to, when to take the, uh, the herb mixture out, you know, how to strain it, how to, you know, so we're very detailed and we articulate exactly how we want the recipe to be executed. Um, and then we have state-of-the-art equipment in our, in our facilities. We have, you know, rationale ovens where we can get into the programming and we can, you know, minimize the yield and we can maximize on, you know, the actual cooking of the product, right? So there's so many things that have changed, you know, versus 15, 20 years ago to where technology has just helped us be, you know, more successful on top of, you know, having, you know, phenomenal employees and a, and a good training regimen, right? Well, yeah. And I think you, you bring up a good point um, because you're preparing these meals and you're, you're a production kitchen. I'm guessing that the hours are probably a little bit better than you are used to working in hotels and restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As you know, right. You know, like in, in the restaurant world, you start early and you, you come home at, you know, it was sometimes 11, 12, 1 o'clock, right? I remember the days taking a train at 5 in the morning and getting back, you know, at 11, 12 o'clock at night. And, you know, I was always the guy you wanted to take a day off. I'd raise my hand and just, you know, was a glutton for punishment, right? I just you know, wanted to do it. So, yeah, you know, in the airline world, because our schedule is based off, you know, the airline departure time. Yeah. So a lot of our kitchens, we start at 5 a.m. And then that shift, obviously, after eight hours, they'll, they'll come in. And depending on the size, of the facility and how many meals are produced will, de- will depend on the amount of shifts that we have, right? You know, and the employees are hourly, so there's eight-hour shifts, and then you have the management, which are um, which are salaried, right? So any given day, you're still putting in a good eight, ten hours. Uh, when we do menu presentations, as I explained to you earlier, sometimes those days can carry out and turn into a, a 15, 18-hour day. You know, I, I've put in I've put in days where we've done startups where we start up a new account where in all honesty, I've worked, you know, 32 hours straight, you know, just, just by going through and just, you know, making sure that the meals are cooked properly. We got to pack the meals, we got to load the meals and you got to do it all over again, right? The following day. So it, it has its ups and downs. I had, to, I had to tell you, you know, we're still, we're 365, 24 seven operation, all of our, all of our in-flight kitchens. Um, but it, it is, it is a little bit better than working in the hotel and the restaurant industry because you know every single day what you're getting into versus in a restaurant or a hotel when you have banquets and things, you know, it's, there's always sometimes a surprise, right? Yeah. Well, I can see, I can see a lot of value in, in this. Um, you know, if, if someone's out there and they hear this and they think, man, there, there is something to this, maybe this is more what I should be doing. What advice do you have for somebody who maybe wants to get into the airline industry or wants to, um, maybe improve their career and, you know, do something along those same lines. Is there a, you know, do you look for certain degrees? Do you look for certain levels of experience? Do you look at, you know, what do you look for and how can people prepare if they, if they want to go that route? 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 a great question. I think you know, from from my side, you know, the the biggest thing is, chef, is you know, you you want somebody that's passionate, right, about about what they do, and you know, you can see that, right, when you meet a person, you know, if you know, I think I'm a good judge of character. So, you know, for those individuals that are, that are out there and they're working in a restaurant or they're in the hotel or they're, you know, just you know doing something else and they want to change, um, if you're passionate about food and you and you generally love food and you like watching people enjoy your food. Now, unfortunately, we, we don't get to see the people enjoying our food on the plane, but uh, believe me, if there's, a, if there's a problem or a complaint, you get it on, on what's called the flight attendant comment, right? So you'll, you'll hear about it. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the degree and things like that for our, our senior team, for our executive chefs, for our design chefs, obviously we want somebody with experience, right? We want somebody that has, you know, a bit of a background. So, you know, because you're face-to-face with customers, you're talking about food, you have to go into training modules, you have to, you know, some, you have to be a subject matter expert. So a lot of those, you know, when we're looking for chefs, I like to look for some kind of culinary degree that shows that you have the proper training because you can be self-taught by, by, by all means. There's a, there's a lot of famous chefs that were self-taught, but, you know, you still want to be able to have the background and the proper culinary training because, like I always tell people, you know, there's, there's no rules of cooking. Yeah, there's techniques and methods. And at the end of the day, you have to follow those techniques and methods. But, you know, the, the rules of cooking, just, just love it. Just enjoy it. Just be passionate about it. From our side, in, in our world, follow the recipes, you know, and, and, and just, you know, follow the process. Um, it's, 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 if, if they're looking for cooks and, and things like that, um, you know, they can go onto our website and they can, you know, double check and, you know, look up Airline Catering. There's so much now. We've done so many things on Airline Catering. You know, people can go online and look at videos and, and, and see real life what it's like you know it's just like any kitchen right you know it's just going to be it's an industrial kitchen a lot of our kitchens are state-of-the-art um you know uh you know the only thing that you don't get out of it like i said is the gratifying part is you know when you work in a restaurant you got to you know you cook somebody a nice steak they come in the back and they thank you or something and you know you don't you don't get that but you do get the gratification when you're done cooking the meals and you're looking and you're going man i just cooked for you know six thousand people today right so it's a nice little pat on the back right well, and I think that there's a lot of people out there nowadays that uh, that recognize that you know you may never see the the person that you serve, or you may never get a chance to to speak to them face to face. But that doesn't necessarily necessarily diminish the reward that you get um, from being able to nourish someone and being able to you know sustain life because um, really at the end yeah. of the day that's what we do as as chefs as as culinary professionals as food service people we we nourish we sustain life um, what we do is important yeah. and i think regardless of what segment of the industry you work in it's just important to recognize that we provide we provide a life-sustaining service we are in an in an industry that is never going to die people are never going to not eat and never you know, so those are those are all things that are really important to me, and and I think a lot of people out there. And so, you know, if if somebody does hear this and they want to maybe apply with you, or maybe they want to just reach out and touch base with you, um, is there sure. a way that they can do that? Yeah, yeah, they can. They can. The the company they can reach out to the company website, which is uh, uh, gategroup dot com. And then on there, it goes through and it'll explain the company, it'll explain their careers, it'll, it'll walk through. And if they are interested in positions, they can obviously go on there and look. And then, um, you know, people can contact me via LinkedIn 
um, you know, they can always direct message me or, or send me a note on there. So, but I, I did just, just quickly, Sean, I just wanted to go back just in what you said. And, and it's really true how we are, are nourishers, right? We are the ones, because I explained to a lot of the cooks, you know, on, on a day-to-day basis that this meal that you're producing today, this meal or this, this component or this, whatever it is that you're producing today could be, you know, somebody that's been saving up for, you know, five, 10 years to take their family on a family vacation. And this, this could be their once in a lifetime family trip, right? So you, 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 again, you hit the gratification part, right? That's also something that's very big and important to us is to make sure that we're, we're putting in that passionate love to that individual or individuals that are taking their wife or their family on a once in a lifetime family trip, right? It all starts from the beginning, starts from the infancy, right? You know, so why not add to that great experience? As a, as a parting piece of guidance, what advice do you have for anybody who either is looking to get into the industry or maybe wants to improve their careers? What can they do? Oh, just, you know, just, just, just look, look and see in, in research. If you're passionate about food and you love cooking and you, and you just, you like doing it, just pursue it, right? I mean, there's so many times people hold back, right? And they're, they're just afraid to make that jump. And making a career change is not an easy thing, right? By, by no means. I haven't done it, but I can tell you as a, as a chef and as a passionate food lover, you know, if you love food and you generally like it, it's not easy, right? Nothing in life is easy, right? But if you're generally in love with food and you like to be in kitchen and you like to do certain things, pursue it, try it out, you know? Um, you know, there, there's... We're now in a world of technology where people can go online and look at certain things and look at books and do your research. Um, you can do stages. I mean, you know, so many, so many places are looking for, you know, good, you know, uh, heavy-hearted people that want to learn, right? You know, this industry is filled with, with a bit of both. You know, it's filled with people that just need a job and it's filled with people that love what they do and generally care. And, uh, you know, if you're one of those people, give it a try. Why not? You know, it's definitely jumping with both feet for sure. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.